Hello, Pilates lovers. Welcome to All Things Pilates. I'm Darian Gold. And grab the front of the chair right into your tendon stretch. Yes, come on, even if you don't go high. That's it. That's it. Nice long legs. And open the chest and lift your spine. Good. Press your head into your hands. Ooh, Sally. If you follow me on Instagram or my Facebook page, you may remember I posted a flyer about an amazing and educational workshop that was going to take place in Los Angeles. It was slated for the first weekend of May and hosted by Susanna and Sam Catroni, who own and operate Catroni Pilates Studio. This two-day workshop would have included a few popular Pilates instructors from across the country. Dana Santi, Juan Estrada, Carrie Russo, as well as Susanna and Sam and myself. In addition, my audio engineer Andy Sewell and I were set to record the very first All Things Pilates podcast on location. But because of COVID-19, we were all denied the opportunity of sharing our passion with many Pilates enthusiasts. However, there still may be a possibility of a summer sizzle weekend workshop, so please stay tuned for future announcements. Not only does Susanna and her husband have one of the most successful Pilates studios in Los Angeles, Susanna was herself a gifted ballet dancer, and in today's episode, she talks about how her own ballet training has influenced her Pilates teaching style. Many young ballet dancers study with Susanna, and one of them is her daughter, Isabella. Just recently, Susanna shared with me that Isabella has been accepted as a year-round student at the San Francisco Ballet School. Susanna has such a sweet way about her. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Pilates is a unique blend of both artistry and athleticism. The dancer's ability to have complete control over his or her body requires profound balance, coordination, strength, and flexibility. My guest today is former professional ballerina, Susanna Catroni, and her love of ballet began at the tender age of three. By the time Susanna discovered Pilates, she had already been dancing 11 years. Still, thinking ballet was the only path to gaining more strength, the revolutionary approach to body conditioning Pilates offered Susanna came as a complete surprise, and she's been practicing it ever since. Susanna says she absolutely loves the process of dance, from the detail, difficulty, and of course, the artistic aspects. But as enthralled as she is by the athleticism of today's dancers, she is completely committed to proper technique, such as alignment and body mechanics, and has demonstrated that commitment at her Los Angeles-based studio from its opening six years ago. The instructors at Catroni Pilates Fitness Studio teach all fitness levels, but Susanna's interest lies in teaching classical Pilates to the ballet dancer. Former professional dancers, including myself, 
have found the perfect discipline to continue developing their artistry and athleticism by using the brilliant Pilates system. In calling in from Los Angeles to discuss Pilates and the ballet dancer is Susanna Catroni, who has extended her own ballet life by infusing it into her beautiful Pilates practice. Isn't that right, Miss Susanna? Thank you so much for the glorious introduction, Darian. My pleasure. It's finally, we get to speak to each other. Yes, I'm so sorry, you know, uh, my timing on our last appointment was not quite as good as I hope my timing is today. I'm sure it will be perfect. <laughs> Thanks. Beginning with, at three years old, when you started dancing, did you dream at that time of dancing for a major dance company, or were you just liking the feeling of dance, so you just wanted to start that process? What I know of when I started dancing at three I'd like to say it's a memory, but maybe it's more a story that you hear so many times that you think it's a memory. But my mom said I just bounced off the walls all the time. And she took me to the YMCA and they had a dance class and I was enrolled. And the woman came up to my mom after and said, you've got a real dancer here. You've got to put her in a real school. So I went to this real school, which is the Royal Academy of Dancing. And I loved it. I mean, I loved it tremendously. But no, I didn't, I didn't have that like, knowledge of companies at that young age. It just I didn't have that access. How long was it after you started dancing that they put you on point? That's a good one, too. I think I was 13, and I was super not prepared. You know, like when I got my point shoes and I showed up and other girls had stuff for their shoes, I didn't have anything for my shoes there. And can you believe this? Yes. It was so funny, but it was also very painful. You were dancing then 10 years before they thought, at that time, they thought that you were ready, but you, you thought maybe you weren't ready? Well, I quit a ballet a bunch of times, to tell you the truth. I was frustrated with the discipline, and my mother was frustrated with my inability to commit. And then I would quit, and then I would wish that I hadn't quit. When I was in fourth grade, I went to a private school, And I saw my friend, and she had point shoes. And I was like, they gave you point shoes? She's like, yeah, I'm on point. And I was like, wait, I never got to go on point. Mom, I want to go back to ballet. And she's like, no, you don't. You don't like ballet. I said, no, I love it. I love it. I I have to because I was competitive. You must have (laughs) drove her crazy. I drove her crazy. I really wanted to be a gymnast. And she was very frightened of gymnastics which resulted in me doing what like people call parkour today. I would just tumble and tumble. And at my Catholic school, they didn't have mats, and I would tumble on the cement. Self-taught tumbling, Darian. And they would come out and be like, you're going to smack your head. You're going to have blood everywhere. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I know what I'm doing. I, I can do this. And so ballet was the only thing besides piano that my mom would sort of allow. I did diving once. Again, the head thing. I was going to smack my head. I had to get out of there. So a lot of people were very worried about me smacking my head. Fear-based for sure, right? <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't like that. I, I chased that. I was excited about that. I felt so confident about my ability to do things that I could teach myself or teach others. It just, I don't know, it was always there. Did you ever uh, sustain an injury when you were playing around or...? So many (laughs) concussion, you know, multiple stitches to my forehead. Later in ballet, in ballet, I injured, I broke my ankle dancing. And I later had to have surgery on it. 
I've also broken my left foot, the outer metatarsal. I had a lot of neck injuries. I mean, injuries were just part of it. But at the time when I started Pilates, those injuries hadn't occurred yet. So you got to use Pilates as the way to heal and recover? I had the knowledge, but here's the thing that you may not know, is that I started Pilates when I was 14 years old at the Houston Ballet Summer Academy. And when I came back from there, and we'll probably have to backtrack because we're jumping timelines, but I knew that my mom was, my poor mom, she's going to get beat up by me. She was not going to pay for Pilates when I came back. It just, not only was she not going to pay for it, but I was living in Pasadena, let's say when I was 14, I don't want to give away too much, but there wasn't that much Pilates available in Pasadena, California, maybe in Los Angeles, but then I'd have to get my dad to drive me and I had piano and ballet class and school. It just wasn't a practical thing. Who was your first teacher? I'm sorry. Who was your first teacher? Okay. I don't remember his name to my shame. He was a guy that taught Pilates <laughs> at the Houston Ballet Summer Academy. And he was so brilliant and so caring because I don't know if you know this, but I did not want to take Pilates. When I got to the Houston Ballet Summer Intensive, they told us that was part of our schedule. And we had to wake up earlier so we could do this Pilates before a full day of dance. I was like, this is nuts. These people are crazy. Why, why would I want to take an exercise class when I'm just about to exercise all day? Good question. Um, That is a good question. And you know what? I wish that dancers asked more questions because then they understand the process and why things are good for them. Not just like, well, it's required. Sometimes that's not enough. Let me ask you, here we are in 2019. Do you know if most ballet schools offer Pilates now? I think I find that most ballet schools offer body conditioning. Not necessarily the full system. You have to have money for the full system. And then you kind of get into who's the qualified teacher for the full system. Now, when I was at Houston, the dancers, the young dancers were not allowed, you know, because this was a group of us coming over in a van. We weren't allowed on the apparatus. Now we could observe and we could kind of wish we were given hand weights, ankle weights, magic circles. I look back on that and I think that was genius. And here's why. People ask me, Will you teach a duet? Will you teach a trio? And of course, I'll I'll teach a duet, a trio, a quad, you know, all of you. But I won't put you on the apparatus if you're a young person. I can't trust their safety on the equipment without my eyes on one at a time. That's good. And that's something that follows what Ramana used to say all the time, which was safety first. Yeah. You know, and I know moms are like, they want it to be less. They want their kid to have a chance to experience what push and pull feels like. I say, great, but you don't want, you want the real thing. You want my eyes on your child, my hands on your child, helping them become better to understand how their body works. That's the gift of Pilates that it gives to the young dancers. In your experience, what's the biggest difference in teaching Pilates to a ballet dancer opposed to a non-dancer? I thought about this question and a lot of things came up. But I always circled back to discipline. I feel that dancers, young, old, in between, they have a patience for the work to be laid out for them, and they have a curiosity, and those things come together through their ability to be patient and diligent to the work. 
Are your cues different? Hmm. For ballet uh, dancers? No, I think my rapport is different. Dancer to dancer, there's sort of a shared experience, if you will. I can quickly relate a little faster than with someone that I'm trying to get to know, you know, what did you do? Did you play sports? Or were you just studying your whole life and now you really are worried about your posture? And Or you're curious. I love this. The person that's just curious about Pilates and wants to ask all the questions. Why are we doing this? How are we doing this? As long as it's served with a positive attitude. Are there ballet dancers that you work with that present with a lot of hyperextension in their knees? I would say yes, but I have an equal number of ones that have sort of knock knees. That are on point? You know, sometimes it's the male dancer, but yeah, sometimes it's a dancer on point. So you're constantly having to get them to connect. the knees. It's frustrating, yeah, because remember, and you know this, Darian, very well, that they're moving from their feet. Even a person that's doing Pilates for a long time, I can say to them, do you feel that you're guiding this with your feet? How can we get you to guide this? through your powerhouse. I need you to connect deeper to the work because there isn't going to be more reps. There aren't going to be more springs. It's not going to become trickier choreography necessarily. But how can you make the work even more for yourself to get the strength that you need? And if that doesn't work, I just say this will make your extension better. And that'll work. (laughs) Yeah, that gets them every time. Don't you remember Romana would say out of the feet and into the seat? Out of the feet and into the seat. You know, it's, it's those little things, but they mean so much to the dancer. And I was a dancer that was just starving for someone to tell me, how can I do this better? How can I make this more meaningful? How can this get that quality that I see that other people have? And Pilates was the key. Now, are you interested in perhaps developing a certification program solely ballet dancers? No, I don't think so. You have one now. I have a certification program now, and (laughs) I have two people in it. One is a former dancer. She's actually taking the bridge portion of our certification program. And then I have another woman who, you will love this, has a heart transplant, two back surgeries, an ankle surgery, and has survived three cancers. And her dream is to become a Pilates instructor so she can help other transplant clients. It's heartbreaking, inspiring, and I've never seen anyone work so hard in my life. Wow. I hope you're documenting this whole process. Oh, we are. We've got lots of pictures, and Moses is aware and involved. Her name is Elizabeth, and she's lovely, and she just inspires everyone around her. It's her gift. And now she won't be you. She won't be me, but she'll be her. And I feel blessed to get to go through this process with her. Fabulous. Maybe you'll come back after this process ends in terms of her becoming certified and um, talk about the experience. Yeah, that would be very, very cool. I see maybe even a book. Um, Yeah, I'm sure she does too. She loves to write and talk and she's just a, a gifted special person. Do you have other ballet dancers or former ballet dancers that teach for you? I do. And I'm trying to think I have some that aren't. I, I, that was the question. And in fact, you know who comes to mind? Mr. Frank Zito, which is so funny because he has the perfect facility to be a gorgeous dancer. He just never was. Is there something that dancers bring to the table, the Pilates table, that 
non-dancers who are teachers do? Is that something you could uh, talk about? Non-dancers that are teachers do that. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you say that if from an early age you were exposed to a discipline that had a curriculum that had specifics and involved choreography, there was timing, there were dynamics, there was precision, all connected to movement. Because I'm not a non-dancer, I don't want to say it's an advantage or something better, but it's what I know. And I know how it works and I know how my mind works. For instance, I tend to find that dancers, when they're learning something, they're very present. Their eyes are open, their ears are open, their discipline is turned on, and they're recording it in their memory in a way that doesn't require a written note. Now, whether that that skill is there because they went to school and they learned things that way too, they seem to absorb and then do. If there was a difference, I would say uh, academic people or maybe even athletes, they don't have that as strongly as dancers do. So is it a requisite to teach at your studio to have a dance background? Not at all. No way. Because I would be limiting myself. I mean, I can talk about my passion for dance and dancers and teaching the young dancer and living through that moment where everything came together for me and changed. But there are other people that aren't dancers. They want to do Pilates and they might connect better with a teacher that is not a dancer that also loves Pilates. That makes sense. Yeah, someone for everyone. I mean, isn't that the goal? We want everyone to do Pilates, not to limit in any way, but at the same time to enjoy the way that we teach and the people that we enjoy teaching. I'd like to know if you have any former ballet dancers as students who have had hip replacements, and if so, how do you go about teaching them? You know, I I recall in our training, it was touched on briefly hip replacement, and of course that would have been you know, nearly 20 years ago, that it was that we weren't to flex the hip beyond 90 degrees and always to check in with the body in front of you and see da-da-da because there was this fear of it popping out. I don't think the hip replacements do that nowadays. I know a dancer with two hip replacements that has danced full out. But no, I've had some knee replacement and a couple people with labrum tears, a lot of labrum tears. But And people don't, you know, not everybody wants the hip replacement. Are they doing it to keep dancing? Are they doing it because they have to? Are they just hobbling? They're trying to rehab and make it through. You know, we can strengthen around a lot. That's what Pilates does. And dancers understand how to move differently. They're open to it. But no, I haven't. Have you? I remember one woman and I was a nervous wreck. She was my first. And I remember giving her sidekick series, no springs, just so I could see her range. But I was so, I was like a mama bear. I just, my mm-hmm. hands were all over her and I, I almost didn't let her feel the work. I think I was perhaps a little you're, too you're nervous. Yeah. Because you don't know. So I think I would be the same, you know, constantly checking in. I don't know if it's something they can feel if it's guided by pain or if it's like, oops, or how long they've had it. But I find that people want to move when we find a way. The woman that had two hip replacements and is still dancing, full out, with no... This is a man, actually. Oh, a man. A man, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, William Starrett. He's the artistic director of Columbia City Ballet in South Carolina. And he has no pain because he does Pilates? Well, no, I don't know about that. And I don't know that he's still dancing now. But what he did was, and I think it was featured in Dance Magazine, 
he went for the double hip replacement. He got the titanium. And then his goal was to go out and dance on stage. And he did it. And he was known for his wild extensions and flexibility. So I, I think that science has definitely progressed. And I'm sure he did a lot of physical therapy and Pilates and everything else. If you do have a dancer come to you who has so much flexibility, even though they might have a little center strength, do you hold back on a lot of the work and help them to find a deeper center instead of them relying on this beautiful range? Yeah, so I get both. I get no flexibility, we want flexibility, and I get we have a lot of flexibility, we need strength. I mean, hand in hand, right, that's typical, especially for young dancers. My goal for a young dancer with a weak middle, great flexibility, strength in the feet is to work the method so that they can get a strong middle. Now, you can see it right away in the 100. My daughter is a perfect example. The back is arching away. The legs are, usually they try and put them real low because that sort of, they can kind of go into their back a little bit. Or then when you try and put your fingers to their center and get them to engage, those legs are probably at like 88, 87 degrees. So I try to my best to hold them accountable, to help them understand the connection, to explain the why. But then at the same time, remember they're young and, you know, they can't, the Pilates, you know, it's not dance. I have to make it a little fun, a little challenging. And it's challenging for me to find different ways to get them to make the connection. And this leads me to another question, which is, do you Mm -hmm. find yourself coming up on the fly? For sure. But at the same time, I do have sort of like five things in my pocket that I know work. I, I, the short box on the ladder barrel for me is a great place for them where I level there. I can support their back. I can have my hands very readily around them to help them work their center. They look at their feet. The box on the reformer sometimes when they're not tall enough can be challenging, you know, you're dealing with apparatus and you're thinking this doesn't work necessarily. So I like to move them. I would say the reformer is the least used piece of equipment for me with the young dancer. That's interesting. Does that mean you definitely do a lot of mat work? Definitely do a lot of mat work. Cadillac, we do ladder barrel, small barrel, magic circle, and then there's a lot of foot corrector, toe exerciser, Upper body, too. Like the armchair for them is very, very good. And when I work with young male dancers, you know, the girls are stronger and taller and their bodies are more developed than the boys at the exact same age. And they're being asked to partner. And sometimes they're looking ahead thinking, how am I going to pick Isabella Catroni up? She's 13, but she's 5'5", and I'm 12, and I'm not. And it's interesting. So one of the key things I get them to do it's like the push-up apparatus great for them. But when they do the leg spring, if you can get them to engage their core and connect their lower back, and sometimes this means using arm springs for leg springs, you can get them to push into the post, and that can pull their shoulders down. And I always cue them and say, this is you walking across the stage, pressing a dancer over your head. Nice. You can even walk with the springs and feel your waist folding so you don't injure your back. You don't lift your shoulders, and you look noble. Do they love the pedipole? Okay, the pedipole. That depends on height. And in our studio, we just have a standard one. I guess I could put a bunch of little clips on it. But um, I think 
more of a teenage dancer, if we're getting to 14, 15, yes, that would be a key piece of equipment for them for balance and for centering. But not if they aren't tall enough. They got to be tall enough. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because then they can't control it. The strength in the upper body isn't there. We might lose the connection of the scapula down the back, arching. You know, they want to please you. So they'll do stuff, you know, just to do it because they can. There is that new pedipole. I wouldn't say it's new, but it's sort of new where it's adjustable. The one that Elaine has, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. With Sean. Yeah, we looked at that and I thought that could be a great thing. For them, actually, make, yeah, you know, the shifting, we need to look into that, something for them that way. Because I don't think I can mimic the pedipole anywhere else right now. I mean, short of maybe a piece of equipment that went over the door jam or something. But I try and stick with the method and the way it is. And I start interpreting or redoing. It's like, hmm, what are we doing? Now, you have three children, right? Mm-hmm. Do they all dance? Well, they all did at one time. <laughs> My first daughter, Amanda did ballet pretty regularly until she was about, I don't know, eight or nine. And then there was some dance later. She looks like a ballerina. She's a beautiful body. The feet maybe were a little stiff. And the flexibility in her back was insane. I actually wish I had put her into rhythmic gymnastics, but I didn't know about it then. And then my son, he danced. He danced at Debbie Allen Dance Academy and performed on the Dorothy Chandler stage. Oh, I can't remember the name of the company that he performed with. It was a European company. They were doing Anna Karenia, and he was the little boy. And I just thought for sure he's going to be my my dancer. And <laughs> no, in fact, he went on to play football, run track. <laughs> All right, but I bet you he's great because he has a, a sense of his center and he has some fluidity going on. For sure, and he's done a lot of Pilates. He's very familiar, you know, with our studio and the method and. When the kids are little, they love to do mat Pilates and they love to have mama come stretch them and show me this and do that. But they grow up and they turn into teenagers. Yes, they do. <laughs> I'm so glad that you found your, your Pilates niche and that you're helping so many ballet dancers find deeper strength and flexibility. If any dancer listening wants to contact you, what's the best way? Oh, gosh, call me or, you know, I guess you could just go to our website, which is Cotroni Pilates. Everybody calls it Catrone Pilates, but in the Italian language, I learned this from a client of mine, every vowel is pronounced. So that's why it's Cotroni Pilates. Okay. Mm-hmm. Susanna, thank you so much for your time today. On a sad note, Mari Windsor, world-renowned Pilates instructor, passed away Tuesday, April 28th. Mari was credited with making Pilates a household word through her infomercials and videos. And in fact, our guest today, Susanna Catroni, was Mari's lead performer and assistant choreographer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it inspired you. In order that you don't miss any of the great conversations, please subscribe as it will also help others find the show. All Things Pilates is produced and hosted by me, Darian Gold. It originates as a live radio show on KPCA in Petaluma, California. Podcast production is provided by Audio Ephemera. Hey there, I'm Andy, the audio engineer for All Things Pilates. And as cliche as it sounds, I'm also a client. My Pilates practice has strengthened my core and more importantly, given me a new awareness of my body and its abilities. 
Darian's approach is challenging but fun, and I always leave my sessions feeling energized. But don't just take my word for it. I recently visited one of Darian's classes, and here's what some other students had to say. Uh, my name's Kate. And I've been working with Darian for about six years. I started with her on mat classes, and then I moved to uh, working with her in her home studio, both in duets and privates on the reformer and the one chair and the other equipment. To do it well takes uh, dedication to continuing over and over. My name's Eric. I'm uh, taking Darian's Pilates class. She focuses on empowering you to move forward with just the symmetry and keeping the body in line and used the proper way that it is supposed to be used. And she has a good eye for that. Yeah, that translates into just an overall physical well-being. Subscribe to the podcast for more great interviews and check out dariangold.com for her class schedule and other resources. Until next time, crown of your head to the ceiling.